Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Right, good news is, yeah, hoovering's been done. Excellent. Right, bins have been emptied. Okay. So no knocks on the door should occur. Carl, I don't know what I can say about the boiler heating. Oh, that motorbike last time. Oh wow, it was. It's really loud. I edited out as much as I could, but it was still. Yeah, at one point it was like. I, I, I just don't know what it is. I can't. I can't figure it out. It's not me. That's all I know. <laughs> You're not making the boomy noise. I'm not. Not on. Not when we're podcasting. I mean, on occasion I am a bit like Brian Blessed, but no, not um, not during. No. Okay. No. Now, here's the thing. You know, we've been doing a bit of um, talking about big words and stuff. I, I mentioned um, previously about. Uh, Loquacious, didn't I? I said it was oh, a yes. word of the week or whatever. Yes. Well, I found another word of the week at work. Oh, dear. Because I was reading an article that about used al- this word. About aluminum? <laughs> was <laughs> it about aluminium? No, it wasn't. Oh. No. Um, it was about bif- uh, about change management. Okay. And the word that they used was bifurcation. Bif- like B-I-F-I-cation? No. B-I-F-U-R. Cation. Bifurcation. Bifurcation. All right. <laughs> and, what uh, on earth is that? Okay, so in the context of this article, which was very good, Harvard Business Review, give it a mention, and it was talking about why is change management considered different to management? I think mm. the article was change management is management. Management mm. is change management. Mm. You know, that sort of idea that at some point... This bifurcation happened. Okay. Where management split into two disciplines of management and change management. Okay. And I sort of knew what they meant by two-fication. Not quite sure. Yeah. But, but I got the by bit. So I thought, okay. So, so I carried on reading the article. So, yeah, okay. That, that's it. Change management and management. By the way, do you think that change management is just management and that management should be change management. Well, I think if you... Uh, management is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Managing change is a thing. Yeah. As is managing the norm. <laughs> so if you're managing something, you're managing something, whatever that might be. Yeah. But um, aren't you always managing something that changes if you're managing? Um, I think you're managing things that have the ability to change. Yeah. But you are also managing... Consistency, humdrum stuff. True. And having seen changes being managed incredibly badly, yeah. normally due to lack of communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or lack of considering, you know, like the, the, the impact on the people is yeah. generally how it's yeah. really done badly. Looking at other people's perspective. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure I totally agreed with the article, but I did pick up a good word. And also it made, made me think, is change management, 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 change management? Mm. Yeah. It is. I I know what they're saying, but I think that sometimes part of management is trying to maintain the status quo. Yeah. And don't you deal with change so that you then 
you manage that change out so that you get you retain the status quo. So you're still managing the change. You're just not yeah, I promoting think, the change. I think if there is change, that has to be managed. And the way that the change is implemented needs to be managed. I think that, yes, I, that. But let's assume that there isn't... I suppose... No, I suppose what it is, it depends what your definition of change is. Okay. I wasn't going to delve into that. <laughs> but it, but <laughs> That's it does, a whole it? other topic, yeah, isn't yeah, it? It does, it, doesn't it? But it does, I think. Yeah, and, and the context is everything, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I did look up bifurcation, and it seems to be mostly used to describe biological processes, which you can understand. Okay. I came across a lot of technical articles. Oh, God. Straight over my head. But there were a couple of places where it said, oh, where, where is bifurcation used in the real world? But then I came across an even better article. This one is about the fallacy of bifurcation. Oh, gosh. How about that for a phrase? Wow. Use that fallacy. in a sentence this week if you can. Yeah, so when you're in the pub, oh, never mind, never mind the state of the world. What do you think of the fallacy of bifurcation? Yes. And instantly everybody will get up and walk out. <laughs> They're not the sort of conversations you used to have with your friends, are they? No, I'll try it on Sunday because we're out on the pop together. Or I'll drop it into the conversation. See the what... fallacy of bifurcation. Yeah, in fact, we could talk about it and our husbands won't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Do they listen? Well, no. So... Anyway, so we, yeah, we could talk about anything. Anyway, sorry, so, go on, what you find? A person commits the fallacy of bifurcation... When they claim that there are only two mutually exclusive possibilities, when in fact there is a third option. So it's either known as a fallacy or a false dilemma. Okay. I'm looking for an example. Uh, it gives here a facetious example. That's not a good word. Facetious. Gosh. Either the traffic light is red or is green. This is obviously fal- fallacious. Careful! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dirty mind. Since the light could be yellow. But a more realistic example is either you have faith or you are rational. And this is a good example of the fallacy of bifurcation because we can have faith and be rational. In fact, faith is essential in order to have rationality to make sense of the laws of logic according to this article. But what's so? What's the third thing? Oh, are they saying what's what's the third element in that? Well, so I, I guess they're saying it doesn't have to be mutually, mutually exclusive. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's have a look. So, yeah, faith versus reason, science or religion. Those those things. It's like as if it's very one or the other. Black. Black white. and white, yeah. Okay. And that there's no... I, I would have thought that it was like... Um, the third seems not much better than just picking two, does it? Surely there's a spec- whole spectrum of options in amongst that. Because yeah. I suppose you could do the... Do something... Oh, no, it doesn't work. Do something, do nothing. Change, don't change. No. I, yeah, I can't quite get my head around the third element. No. But that's probably more about me. And anyway, I didn't. I didn't delve too deeply in that because to delve deeply in that would have involved learning a bit of biology. And was this in a HR publication that this started? The the change management was half a business review, so right? An okay. article there. Okay. And, and then and then I just googled bifurcation 
um, and everyday examples of bifurcation. And then this fallacy of bifurcation popped up. Okay. Okay. That's it. I'm, I'm done with okay. bifurcation. I have another topic which we okay. can discuss later. Okay. Shall I go for something a little brighter? A little lighter. A little lighter. A little more interesting, A little more saying. interesting, maybe, go depending on, on your point of view. So, as you know, I quite like wearing bright colours because they cheer me up. But very often, if you're wearing bright colours, people smile and notice that you're wearing bright colours. Somebody said to me the other day, your, your outfit is very satisfying. Satisfying. I like that. In the way it was put together with the colours. So I started thinking about how do colours affect our brain and why do they affect our brain? So there's a load of stuff about, you know, um, well, there's stuff about how we respond and react to colours. But I actually think that when you wear colours, it makes you feel better. For me personally, do you, do you feel that? Different. It depends on the colour. Right. And I think it depends on the day. Some days I suit a colour and some days I I like a bugger in a colour. A bugger in a colour. Yeah. I like that phrase. Yeah, I don't think it's as much about what you look like. It's how you feel. It's, yeah, there's something about how you feel. Anyway, colour psychology is on, a then. thing, as you might expect. Of course. So the colours colours are connected to our emotions. So that I found an article in a magazine called thegoodtrade.com. Good trade. Goodtrade.com. And it says that colour is a powerful tool for communication. And it's also one of the ways we self-identify. The colour of our clothing serves as a, sing- a signal to others. It tells them who we are. So and in some ways, if you don't want to stand out, it, it is quite... Or if you're feeling... If I'm feeling uncomfortable or unsure of a situation that I'm going into, I might wear black. I might wear dark colours because I don't want to stand out. Um, so I think that's, you know, there is a bit of that. Okay. But in different cultures, different colours mean different things. So over here, um, we have white or cream for weddings, for example, whereas in, in India, red is the most oh, I've got married in a red dress. There you go, because it, well, it represents prosperity and purity. Oh, of course. As well as passion and power. Of course. In this, in Western cultures, we wear black for mourning, but in Asian cultures, white is often preferred. So, you know, colour is different across all, all of the world. But green and blues, for example, are, um, can achieve a sense of calm. Okay. So they can be quite calming. Red is anger, love, passion, power. Um, so it can, it can bring out strong emotions in people. Orange, my favourite colour. Um, enthusiasm, attention, happiness and energy. You are orange from head to toe. Well, I'm, well, I'm red. Well, is that red? I'm well? red today. But with an orange tinge, sure. With an orange tinge, yeah, a hint of orange. So it says wear orange when you want to feel extroverted. All the time, then, All Heather. the time. Wear green when you're hoping to feel grounded or renewed. Okay. Uh, purple is associated with mystery and the fantastical. Um, and black can be seen as a power move and invoke boldness. And yet, as I've just said, I tend to wear black. When you want to merge when into, I want the to merge into the shadows. Heather yes. in the shadows. Heather in the shadows. Imagine that. Um, so, yeah, so stuff is going on in our brains. 
then I came across an interesting infographic, which has got logos from different companies. Okay. And then it's got the colours, uh, the different colours. So, for example, um, Balance Grey, uh, Balance Calm. There's um, Apple icon. Trust, Blue, Dependable Strength, Dell Computers, Hewlett Packard, Oral-B. Creative, Imaginative Wise is Purple, Barbie, T-Mobile, Cadbury's. Optimism, Clarity, Warmth, we've got... This is quite... Optimism is quite funny. UPS. (laughs) (laughs) Optimistic. You mean a bit optimistic? Hertz. McDonald's. Uh, Subway, um, National Geographic, uh, and then Orange, Friendly, Cheerful, Confidence, Nickelodeon, Amazon, Fanta. Salt Solutions. Salt Solutions is blue and orange. So I'm trust and dependable, strong, friendly, cheerful and confident. Okay. I remember looking at this a little bit many years ago when I started out hypnotherapy and I had a professional graphic designer design the logo and the <laughs> headed paper. Yeah. Wow, a, imagine that. Yeah. And business cards. You don't Gosh. do that these days. And we went for turquoise and brown. Okay, we haven't got brown on here. Um, we've got blue, which would be the... So Vimeo is... But yeah, we haven't got brown. But I suppose you could go into orange. So that's similar. Yeah. Friendly, cheerful. But um, yeah, so I thought it was uh, it was quite interesting because I am often attracted. Here we go. What did you say? Turquoise and brown. So brown, dependable, rugged, trustworthy, simple. And then if we go with the blue, trust, peace, loyalty, competence. Okay. Rugged and simple. Rugged and simple. That's that me. Well, might have been at one time. Don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was before I knew you when you set up carry on hypnotherapy. But I did just think it was interesting. Um, you know, I sort of went as usual, went down a bit of a rabbit hole. Yes. Um, and from that, if okay. you can bear with me, here's the thing. I got onto how smells affect us okay right because we're quite sensory so we talked we were talking a few weeks ago about memories and things like that yes so um i was thinking about how smells remind us of things very much for me so that is because um the way that well first of all the nose and the brain can remember fifty thousand cents fifty thousand cents which is quite a lot uh, the nose has about 400 different types of scent receptors. Okay. But what actually happens is it's to do with the bit of the brain that is processing the um, the smell, which is the olfactory bulb of the brain. And, from, and also in that brain, memories are stored, I guess. I guess if you think about animals... Uh, you know, I was watching a programme the other day with um, Gollo Williams. Oh, yeah. And he was on the borderlands of Wales and England, and he saw a roe deer. And uh, as soon as the wind changed direction, the roe deer smelt him and ran mm-hmm. away. And I guess if you're relying on scent to keep you safe, yeah, you've absolutely. got to remember what all those, that myriad of scents that you can smell on the wind yeah. mean for you. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So that so an element of that is survival, and of course, yeah. you know, dogs and cats. You know, they've got more. They must have more than four hundred yeah. sensors receptors on their noses. But it it did just remind me that you know, it mentions things like um, cut grass. The smell of cut grass. Does it remind you of your childhood? And it's like, yeah, it does. And is that because when you're a kid, you're closer to the grass? I know that sounds crazy, but you know, you're playing in the grass. And I was thinking, rolling in it, rolling yeah. in the grass. And I was thinking the other day, I was driving yeah. along, and that it had been raining, um, but the sun was out, and I was looking at soil along the side of the road, and I could smell the smell of soil when you was and the and the grisly sound of soil when you're playing in it as a kid, and that sort of smell, and it, you don't smell it as an adult. Maybe you do if you're a keen gardener. I'm not a keen gardener. But it was yeah, like, if you watch these gardening programs and they pick up two handfuls of compost and have a good old sniff yeah, of it, yeah, yeah, to see how good it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so having gone down that whole colour thing, I started to get onto you know various senses and what they mean. So looking at colour can influence our mood. Wearing different colour can influence our mood, and smell can transport us back. And and certainly for me, you know, there are times when I smell something and it just takes me straight to somewhere without even really knowing why or how. It just does. Directly transported. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes it's quite a long time ago that I'm transported back to. Every time seems a long time ago. I know! I've I've just renewed my car lease and... uh, it's uh, another four. Well, I had three years on this one. I'm going for four on this next one. And a colleague said, just think how old you'll be when that expires. Oh, don't say things like that. <laughs> like, shit. Just don't say things like that. That's It's not helpful, is it? It's not helpful. It, it was very uh, grounding, shall yes, we say. Yes, Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, that's why I'm feeling like shit today. Oh, no. Feeling your right. Yeah, well, you don't need people reminding you all the time, do you? <laughs> now, here's the thing. This topic is purely based on a conversation I had with a friend three weeks ago. Okay. So I do apologise. I've not even researched it. But it occurred to me as I was driving here that it would be a good topic to talk about. Go on. And in the in the spirit of of our podcast, sometimes no research is the better Can be good, yes, yeah. Or it could be shit, so we'll find out, won't we? So my friend was talking about, um, I can't even remember how it started now, but it was a lovely meal we were eating, just talking about how men and women um, operate on different cycles. Okay. That wasn't where the conversation started. Maybe workplaces, maybe working patterns, whatever it was. But she was saying that she'd read somewhere that one of the problems that women have working in a man's world is that the working day is and the working week and, and just the whole working pattern is based around a male biological cycle. Okay. In that... Now, I don't know if this is true. Like I say, I've done no 
research whatsoever. So it could be completely false, but I just wanted to run this by you. So she said that the men's testosterone levels or whatever it is, our energy levels, I can't remember now. See, I really should have done a bit of research. They cycle on an eight, on sort of like a daily cycle. Okay. So, you know, they wake up and they've got the energy pattern and it resets and it goes back to the morning. Whereas, as we know, women have a 27-day cycle. Yeah. And so what we might be looking for is that we have a lot of energy, maybe at the start of the month, it starts to dip, and then we want to retreat to our red tents at the end of those 27 days. And then we come back out and we've got more energy. So she was saying that one of the um, theories that she'd read about was that this whole pattern is more like you should have a working month as opposed to a working day or a working week. Okay. Which works with some work, clearly not with all, but then that's where we've got the whole problem in that the whole structure of work in society is based around this eight-hour working day or, or 24 hours a day and then your cycle renews. Whereas actually, if you're in this 20-day, 27-day cycle, then you might find that your energy levels are dipping on a longer curve. Okay. And so that you might be wanting to work all hours in one week because you're full of energy. Yeah. And then the following week, you just take a dip. And then really, you could just do with a week, just not doing much at all and struggled on the sofa. Yeah. Now, I know this won't work in a lot of workplaces, but I sort of felt a connection to it without knowing why. It is interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose if we just forget the working week and just think about man and woman you know, from way back when, when the men were the hunter-gatherers. So they would need to get up during the daylight, go out, hunter-gather and come back when the light... Whereas women are at home looking after the children. So they are waking up in the night... looking after the crops as well. Well, yeah, but... but, yeah, but So they'd be on a seasonal rhythm as well. But they'd also have that... They would be waking up to tend to the children. So, you know, the idea of work, of, of their body working in a, a day, never mind the whole menstrual cycle. Yeah. Um, it's not as straightforward as get up, go out, catch a mammoth, bring it home, eat, go to sleep, you know, or yeah. relax. Because for women, you are, you know, when you're feeding baby, how often do you have to feed babies every four hours or something? Mm, I felt like it was all night. Oh, exactly. Well, there you go. So that's the whole women being able to work into a different pattern because nature needed them to. Yeah. Um, but also they're being governed by the moon. Yeah. In terms of that. And the seasons. And the seasons. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think um, just humans in general, like even if you're not looking at the male-female split... You know, this rigid adherence to the working day and the clock mm. actually doesn't feel natural, does it? When, you know, the light and the dark and the seasons changing. Mm. But then I suppose the other thing is that people who work permanent nights, it can have a significant reduction in their life expectancy. Now, some of that might be because they are not working when everybody else is working, therefore they might go to the pub or they might, you know, they might choose to do lifestyle choices choices that aren't necessarily helpful. But, again, does that not say that working at night is not normal for the human body, regardless of whether you're male or female? Mm. 
But I, I love the idea if I worked in a sort of business that would allow this. And I think maybe when I was self-employed, you could go with the flow a little bit more if you were having a, a low energy week. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. not all the times. Um, but, you know, that, that sense that you could just... I've, I've got a low energy week this week. Really, really struggling. But, you know, and I've shortened my days because I do have flexi time. So that's been yeah quite positive. But, you know, in, in general, you are expected to just turn up, do mm. your work, go home. Mm. But there are other days when I'm like, no, I'm raring to go and I can work longer and do more. And Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you know, working for myself, then it's because it's only me in the business. I do know that if if I've got a piece of work to do and it needs to be done by Friday and Monday, I'm just not in the right place for it. I can choose to do other things, mm. other work things, or other things completely if I want. Yeah. Um, and then maybe I might, you know, work. I might work late on Thursday and then Friday to get it done. So I have that choice because sometimes you are raring to go when it's home time, and also I need a deadline. So you know, <laughs> why would I be doing it on Monday if I've got till Friday <laughs> to do it? There's an element of that as well. Yeah, me too. Mm. Anyway, so sorry I didn't research mm. that properly, but it just occurred to me as like the working month as opposed to a working day. But then how would the men respond to that? You can't have women working a working month and men working a working day. No. Because it wouldn't be fair, would it? Wow. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> See how you like it. <laughs> Now Here's a Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, Heather. (laughs) Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air.